Well, what a fitting song. We're not ashamed of you. And of course, we don't want him to be ashamed of us. We want to give him our very best. Praise God. This morning we had a, a guest in that beautiful service that uh, had seen online lit way up in uh, Atlanta. I don't know if they were even from Georgia, but they were a student. I don't know if they may even be back tonight. They were a student at Emory, and they went online, saw the church, and they were right here kneeling in the altar this morning. So we thank God for that. And uh, so you never know how the Lord is reaching someone, reaching out to someone. And uh, what made me think of uh, repeating that tonight is uh, we have another guest tonight. Where is, uh, is it Razzlin? Where's Razzlin? All right, Razzlin Willis right here. Thank you for coming. Uh, says that she was online, found the church, and wanted to come by. That's two in one day. We thank the Lord for that. So we can never be sure just exactly how God is working or what he is trying to do in each of our lives. And, uh, of course, uh, I'm excited because Sister French is uh, going to be home soon. Of course, I... I worry about it when she's on the road and, and uh, well, just, uh, see, I'm supposed to worry. That's, that's my job, just to worry for her. And uh, so I'm excited because when this service is over, sometime in the next hour or so, uh, Sister French will be coming back and will make it home. So we thank the Lord for his goodness and his safety. How many feel like the Lord has done something good for you in the last few days? You just, anybody, I mean, you really mean it. God has done something on your behalf. You, you didn't know for sure how it would work out, but God has worked on your behalf. That's because we serve a great God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read from James chapter 5. I feel led of God to preach a series on Elijah, and so I'm uh, at the very beginning of this series, and tonight we're going to uh, introduce another aspect of the life of this man of God, this prophet, this extraordinary prophet to Israel. And, of course, when we say he was the prophet to Israel, we mean that Israel had been divided into Judah and Israel. The ten northern tribes had separated, and the northern tribes never had another king. In fact, the very first king that separated from Judah or Jerusalem, those two tribes in the south, they built another temple, they, another place of worship where they worshiped Baal and other gods they turned from God. So in those desperate times, God had a man uh, by the name of Elijah. So last week, I preached a message entitled The Fire and the Rain to introduce Elijah. I want to continue in that vein tonight feel led of God to do it, and I want to preach a message entitled, The Sound of Abundance 
of rain. This comes from the life of Elijah. And I want to preach this in your hearing tonight. So Elijah reversed the natural order to shock Israel into repentance. In other words, raining fire into the earth, which is abnormal. We don't see fire raining, but he did it. That was a symbol of Pentecost. How many knows that fire is a symbol of Pentecost? Uh, and then all the while that he was changing the order and raining down fire, he was holding back the real rain, the rain that would bring nourishment to the earth so that it produced an earthly hunger. In other words, famine in the world that provoked heavenly things in people's minds. They were forced, as it was, to not depend upon earth but to look to heaven. So instead of raining water, which was the natural order, it rained fire or the impossible. How many, how many knows that God can do the impossible? Praise God. He can do the impossible. And so it is with the church today. Our God is the God of the impossible who calls us to the fires of revival in a dry world. So before we read our text, let's ask God to anoint the message entitled, The Sound of Abundance of Rain. Could we do that? Let's just pray together. Father, we call upon you tonight, Lord, to touch every heart, every life. Thy will be done, Lord. We are simply fleshly vessels of God. We ask you to use every word, though, that it might help and challenge, whether it be here or across the world, wherever it may be, that the sound of truth will change and touch people for the better. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So we're at James chapter 5, verse 14. Verse 14, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Everyone said amen. And let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, verse 15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Does anybody believe that tonight? I believe that. Hallelujah. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Can you say amen? amen? Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another. You notice the Bible never tells us to tell everybody how great we are. I hear this a lot. Oh, if you just knew how great I was. Oh, I'm, oh man, I'm so spiritual. He didn't say go tell everyone how spiritual you are. It says confess your faults one to another. Be open and honest and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I taught him this just the other day and you know of course that in the Greek that actually could be translated is very powerful. To avail much is, is fine, but it actually means is very, very powerful. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, 
And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And we mentioned last week that there wasn't even dew on the grass, the Bible says. That's what the first Kings tells us. And he prayed again. Everyone say, he prayed again. Hallelujah. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now, I'm starting here in James, and then we will work our way back into Elijah's story in 1 Kings. Would you lay your Bible aside, and let's praise the Lord one more time before we're seated. Father, right now, we thank you because you are able to do great things in our midst. Lord, I praise you that this evening, Lord, your glory is here and present, and we thank you for it. Lord, I ask God that you will let the presence of the Lord Lord, help us to benefit from the encouraging success of a common prophet, Elijah. Lord, that his spiritual voice will speak to us. We believe you, Lord, and long for your work to be accomplished through and in us. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Now, if you would turn with me to 1 Kings, that way I, I will know that you're fairly close I know they follow me often <clears throat> on the, the slides behind me, but I'm going to uh, look at several things in the progression of the prophet Elijah. So not only did Elijah astound the false prophets of Jezebel, which in fact he did, and truth is often astounding. It causes people, uh, it causes people to step back. The power of God... Uh, is arrests people's attention. For example, if someone has cancer, how many knows that if God heals that cancer, it brings glory to God? Now, if someone's pretending and so forth, pretense is never helpful, but if it's real, someone's healed, then the doctors can verify it and so on. I was reading a, a book recently, someone attacking Pentecostals very, very astutely. In fact, he's even said that They've written a song called, Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place. And he said, that's an ungodly song. That's how dead he was. That you can't even sing, Surely the Presence. I wanted to write him and say, you ought to hear some of the other stuff we're singing. Hallelujah, praise God. But he, he thought, Surely the Presence of the Lord was just a completely ridiculous song. Nobody should be able to feel the presence of the Lord, he said. And I said, well... I hate to tell you, but I have felt the presence of the Lord. Yeah, like the night my dad, who was an alcoholic, received the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. Oh, yes, I felt the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. In fact, I feel the presence every day. I don't even need to be in church to feel the presence of the Lord. I can be driving my car. Sister French says, you need to put on your driver's license. I may start shouting and praising God as I drive, but she was afraid I'd lose my license, but you understand what I'm saying. There are times that you, the Holy, hey, I've learned if you get a Holy Ghost spell, you just got to pull off the side of the road. Praise God. Listen, if your child has cancer and you're not going to pray some patty cake for Jesus' prayer, you're going to pray a prayer that has power. You've got to get beyond worrying about what somebody else thinks about it. So Elijah astounded the false prophets of Jezebel with supernatural fire from heaven. And so it is that we are hungering for the fires of heaven. This same author, by the way, suggested that Pentecostal fire is strange fire. 
referring to, of course, the biblical mentioning of strange fire. Never mentions that fire fell at Pentecost, that Elijah called down fire, but just it's just strange fire. Well, it may be strange to him, but it is not strange to God. The power of God is able, and it is powerful. And Elijah called the supernatural fire from heaven, but he demonstrated the power of genuine prayer. That prayer does make a difference. And you probably noticed that the King James Version, which I was reading, always translates the name of the prophet Elias in the New Testament. Anybody notice that? James chapter 5. There is no example in the King James New Testament of Elijah being called Elijah in the New Testament. He's always, they always translate the Greek word, which doesn't matter what it is, the Greek word Elias, and that's fine with me. But I never say Elias, I always say Elijah, because I prefer to say that. Now in the Old Testament, though, the King James always, which is one of my... Uh, well, it's just interesting that there are variations like this in the King James Bible, that it always, 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 the 68 times that the word Elijah, uh, which I'm saying it, of course, I'm saying Elijah, even though it's a Hebrew word, but that word is always translated in the King James Old Testament as Elijah, even though there's no J in Hebrew, and we all know the word Elijah is an Englishized word, but since I'm English, it's okay for me to say Elijah. And the Old Testament, King James always has it that way. And, and from here on out, I'll never say it another way. I'll just say Elijah because the, typically that's what I'm going to say. So, But what we are thankful for is not the fact that Elijah was a man from uh, a Tishbite, which... Uh, we, we, we won't go back to that, but we've already looked at that. Somebody that someone might think of as just a, a basically a hick or a nobody or somebody to look down upon. But what we're thankful for is that there was an Elijah that was called by God. Is anybody thankful today for the people that God has called in this dark world? Thank God. Thank God for those that God has called. So every <clears throat> king... In Israel, the Bible says, now we're talking about the northern tribes, every king in Israel, not in Judah. In Judah, that's not true. There were godly kings in Judah all the way up until the very end of the, until they, all of it was taken away. And uh, in the 400 years of silence in the Bible, everybody say, praise the Lord. Are we okay? Can you say, anybody going to preach with me tonight just a little bit? <coughs> I'm going to have to cough and so on. Can, uh, so. Every king in Israel did, the Bible says, did evil in the sight of the Lord. It wasn't on the front page of the paper. Nobody, it wasn't on the internet. You couldn't look it up with a Google search. But it was, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did that which was displeasing to God. But the Bible doesn't say, well, they were doing evil, therefore God forsakes us. But God calls an Elijah, someone who has the calling of God, in the midst of this world, praise God. You know, folks, I want to tell you something. I'm not against education. I'm all for it. I, I'm all for uh, your money and your nice cars. I, I thank God. I have no problem with any of that. But in the end, what I want more than anything is for the God of heaven to touch and move in my life. I want to know that God is working and that he's not forsaken me. The greatest miracles come at the most arduous
fullness of times. In other words, God begins to work through a man at a time when the nation of Israel was at its worst. Now, he may have been from a hick town, but he was God's anointed man. I want to tell you something tonight. God is not interested in how smart you are. God is interested in have you listened to his calling. Are you listening to his voice? Are you listening to what he has said? And so Elijah was, in fact, that man. And uh, we could learn a thing or two from this amazing life. We, in fact, many a preacher today, you can write your books, send your letters and say, well, you know, those Pentecostals over there, you know, they're just really over emotional. And this particular fellow that I was referring to a moment ago suggests that anybody that speaks in tongues is uh, opening themselves up to demons. He suggested he didn't say I had a demon. But. But I do. I do have to open this so. Because I have to have it. I have no voice whatsoever. So this was his kind word that I'm opening myself up to demons if I speak in tongues. No matter that all of the apostles spoke in tongues, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, spoke in tongues. He never mentions that. I wanted to send word and say, well, what, what, what was it that the apostles were? Why were they? Well, he would have, I know, a nice explanation. They, they're special, and so they did, yes. And Mary, the mother, and the 120, and what about the 3,000? And what about through the whole Bible? See, he, I'm sure he has an explanation. But I need to be very careful. I might be opening myself up to demons. But I will tell you tonight, I would quit worrying about your fancy education and all of the things that you think you're capable of. And you need to start humbling yourself before God. Because Elijah stood before them and he did not back down. Praise God. So will we depend on our own abilities? This is what Elijah teaches us. Will we depend on our own abilities or will we depend on God? Will we depend upon God? Folks, I want to tell you something. It is time for the church to seek the Lord. It is time for revival in the house of God. Hallelujah. I'm telling the devil tonight he has no place in the house of God. I'm telling the devil tonight I'm not going to worry about what man can do unto me. I'm going to fix my heart upon the things of God. Hallelujah. So you probably noticed as well that I did not read from the Old Testament account tonight when we began our discussion of Elijah. Instead, I read from James because I wanted to illustrate how the life of James impacted the entire history of the people of God. So James, uh, of course, references Elijah when he refers to prayer, but he say prayer. And of course, we're about to go into a period of three days of prayer and fasting. And I, I guarantee you the devil will try to keep you from praying and fasting. I guarantee it. Whatever he can do that will distract you from a period of time where you actually push back the plate and he might even say, well, I don't even know if it does any good. Uh, I, I'm really, I, I, you know, somebody surely is fasting. I, can, I don't have to. And whatever he can do to convince you not to participate, that's exactly what he does. We log logically reason and figure out ways to not do it. 
So just as James recognized the ministry of Elijah in our text, and I'm going to come back to that, so we can see the significance of his faith for our generation, this last day generation. Elijah prayed, praise God. I want to say something tonight. I would rather have a church that prays and seeks after God and worships God than has a million dollars in every pocketbook. I'd rather have a church that prays like Elijah prayed. Hallelujah. Now, some of you are seeking the Holy Ghost. You don't know I know that, but you're seeking the Holy Ghost. Some of you are wanting, you want to know, is this really real? And I am going to give you a challenge tonight. If you will begin to pray and call upon God, he will prove to you. He will demonstrate in your life in this last generation that it is real and he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. So just as Ahab, Turn to the gods of his pagan wife, Jezebel. And that's exactly what happened. Of course, I'm not blaming Jezebel for what Ahab did. Although I could preach quite a sermon about my dislike for their relationship uh, in the Bible. Jezebel was not a popular character in scripture. But I'm not here to... Uh, preach about Jezebel, but Jezebel was the one of the key uh, antagonists to the prophet, and the prophet's job was to preach the truth, and she hated the truth. In fact, she had uh, killed the prophets of God, and that's another whole sermon. I don't want to get too far into that, but Jezebel thought she could destroy the the prophets and the preaching and the and the temple she thought she could just get rid of it but i want to tell the devil something tonight there is no way in the world you're ever going to stop the touch and power of god you're never going to have victory over a church that is birthed by god himself hallelujah so jezebel uh i uh it's not a very well known it's only a name used once in the bible but jezebel's father's name by the way was Ethbaal, Ethbaal. In other words, her father's name, he was named after. He was the king of the Sidonians, which was way up on the coast, way up, way up north of Jerusalem, along the coast, way as far as you can go. Sidonia uh, is, is up there. He was the king of the Sidonians, and they had welcomed in the unbelievably uh, perverse religion of Baal, and she was its number one promoter. And I would suggest that the spirit of Baal is all through our culture today. In fact, it was, uh, but, but, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm simply saying is there it was in Elijah's day, and here we are today. And I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight reminding us that we can be what God has called us to do. No king of the Sidonians or worshipers of Baal are able to stop what God has planned. We are living in a compromising generation, but we have the spirit of Elijah. We are not going to compromise with sin. Praise God. So, you have to make up your mind. This was the testimony of Elijah. How many remembers? Now, does anybody remember where this statement came from? Choose ye... This day, all right? Uh, don't, don't answer me because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed because in case you're, you know, it'd be easy to get this mixed up. 
choose you this day. Okay, now I, I, I'll be careful because uh, I know you know. But doesn't that sound like something Elijah would say to the prophets there? But he didn't say that. See, most people think he said that. That's not what was said at the altars of Baal. He said something similar, but he didn't say that. The, the fellow that said, choose ye this day whom ye will serve was Joshua in chapter 24 of his book. And after Moses was gone, he said to them, it's all over. I'm going on. I'm going to see the Lord. And now what is important is that the next generation chooses this day whom ye will serve. Hallelujah. Anybody here tonight determined you're going to serve the Lord your God? <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to trust God. Oh, I really feel something powerful. Something happens not because of human ability or although I'm going to preach and I'm going to preach with all my heart and I'm not going to apologize for it. Not a single thing's going to be done because someone's standing up here and we're something, but because the truth is true and God is right, it has an impact. He said it's like the, the rains that flow. It never goes without coming back and producing because the rain from heaven produces what the word desires. And so it's happening tonight. So choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Or in Elijah's words, now we come back to Elijah, how long halt ye between Two opinions. That was what, what Elijah actually said in Ahab's hearing. I want to uh, mention, of course, since we're, we're specifically and purposely uh, rehearsing Elijah's ministry and his approach and the power that he demonstrated before an unbelieving world, Elijah called for Ahab to come. I'll come back to that in a moment. But uh, Ahab was furious at Elijah and how many knows how many can take today can hear this preacher today that when you do the will of God and you do the things that God purposes for you to do it doesn't make the devil happy he isn't thrilled about it when you do what is right somebody somewhere is going to be upset by it and there are plenty of people that will you know say well oh they're going to make fun or they're going to laugh or or, or they're going to do this or they're going to do that uh, you know, the fact that I happen to have a, uh, a degree in language and so forth, I keep bringing this up, but uh, I wanted to mention it because uh, someone was uh, wanting to challenge the fact that I spoke in supernatural tongues. I referred to it this morning, but, but the, the, the point was that here was, a, they, they were a little concerned that somebody that taught uh, languages at a university would actually believe that anybody could speak in languages they didn't know. And, of course, I could have said, well, you know, it's not nice to uh, make fun of people. It's not nice to, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you should be nice to people at the very least. But, uh, but of course, they, people, we're not in, in exactly a kind, nice generation. Uh, we're in a generation where all kinds of things are going on that are hurtful to people. We all know that. We're in a very troubling hour. But this particular person was trying to suggest that I should know better, that I, that I should know that it's not possible. And so they drove that home. It's not possible for you. You, 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 you teach languages. You, you teach language. You teach linguistics at a university. You, you should not be claiming that you could speak a language you don't know, that I spoke heavenly languages. And then I was supposed to be embarrassed 
I was supposed to feel bad and say, oh, forgive me. Oh, I'm so sorry that you, you caught on that I, I should know better. Which I'm not sure if that was to make me feel good because I was maybe smart enough to know better, but some people are too dumb. They don't know better. I, I'm not quite sure. They were trying to shame me either way I went, I suppose. And, uh, and they were trying to help me understand since I was so smart. They, they thought there might be hope for me. And so they were trying to demonstrate to me that it was not linguistically possible to speak a language you don't know. For example, uh, well, it doesn't matter. There's lots of languages, but I was going to say, I don't know why. Russian came to my mind. It just came to my mind. But I don't speak Russian. Now, my grandchild speaks Russian. And uh, she likes to come in, and, and she knows that I don't speak Russian. So she just sometimes just comes in and just starts saying stuff. And I know it's not Russian. I know, I know enough about Russian to know when I hear it. And, uh, and, but she likes it. She loves that. To see, sing me whole songs that are supposed to be Russian. Now, she's learning Russian. She's can, she can sing songs in Russian. But there was a whole period of time there when she wanted so bad to sing it in Russian, she didn't really know it. So I'd say, sing me, sing me something in Russian. And she'd just start in, you know. It wasn't Russian, but it sure was pretty. And so she'd just sing it. And they were, they were trying so hard to demonstrate to me, logically as, a, as an instructor in in Hebrew and Greek and Latin and so forth, that, that you should know better. It's not possible to speak a language you don't know. And I was just smiling, and I said, well, you're absolutely right. And they were like, we got through to him. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's the whole point. You can't speak a language you don't know. That's why it's called a miracle. You suddenly start speaking a language that you don't know. Someone was just sending me a book the other day, uh, and I haven't actually gotten it, but they were telling me somebody, was it you? Somebody was telling me about this book where they've just done a survey of people that speak in tongues, and uh, I had done a little survey of a book where they made fun of it, but evidently there's a brand new book out, and it's all about how they've studied it, and, and that when people are speaking in tongues, now when they come to me and say, speak in tongues, I just start going, hallelujah. That's not tongues, folks. That's just hallelujah. little Hebrew, but, but it's not tongues. But evidently somebody did, and they were able to go in, and in the middle of service, whatever, they taped it and so on, and they, they analyzed it because language is very unique. You can, you, can, you, know, you can explain to people this is how the language works, and here's how you say certain sounds, and it makes, makes language, and you know that it's grammatical and syntactical tactical and all the things that make a language and and this particular specialist was saying speaking in tongues is actual language and then we're supposed to go oh oh wow we're just shocked it's an actual language no the truth of the matter is the God that made us can do anything. And we're not going to be intimidated because someone says, well, I don't believe it's possible. Folks, it's not possible to walk on water. But when the Holy Ghost gets to moving, somebody may walk on water. It may not be possible that demons could be bound back when the Holy Ghost moves. Things change. 
It's called a miracle. That's what that's called. Hallelujah. And nobody, nobody, nobody is going to take from me the power that God has placed in my heart. See, so Elijah said, how long do you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. Praise God. Now, notice how the devil lies, especially about spiritual things. Now, grab your Bible. We're in, now we're in 1 Kings 18. Now, I, I want you to stay there. Just keep it open. You don't have to read it and thumb through it and, and uh, ignore me preaching. I just want you to have it there where you can double-check me, all right? So we're looking at verse 17 and verse 12 right in there, all right? Eli 1 Kings 18 and 17 and verse 12. Elijah told Obadiah, who was the servant of the king, he said, I want you to go tell Ahab, that Elijah, here's what he actually said. Go say this to Ahab. Elijah is here. Now, see, they had not been able to catch Elijah. They had tried. They couldn't touch him. And Obadiah was nervous about it. So Elijah said to Ahab, go tell him, go tell the king uh, that uh, he, he wants to meet me, and I want to meet him. I'm going to now meet him face to face. And Obadiah said, yes, uh, and just about the time that I get to Ahab, the Holy Ghost will carry thee whither I know not. That's verse somewhere in there, verse 12 or so. The Holy, the, it didn't say Holy Ghost, but you know what I'm saying. The Spirit of God's going to move you, and then he will kill me because I'm the servant of the king. I've announced something that's not true, and I'll be, I'll be a dead man. And so Elijah just determined that he would face the devil squarely. King or foe could not stop what God had designed. So listen now, look at verse 17. Ahab couldn't do anything but deceive. His entire program was against God. And so lying Ahab says, uh, the Bible says in verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, he twisted the truth and said, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Now, I want us to observe something here that is very, very important for the church in this hour. Elijah did not hem-haw around. Hem-haw is, uh, what language is that? Do you know, Brother Grady? Uh, him haw isn't that uh, Latin or something? Uh, it's it's a special word. Uh, him haw it's, it's a special word, and uh, and he didn't he didn't fiddle around. He didn't uh, him haw that that's uh, I just call that Arkansas. I don't know what language it actually is, but in in Arkansas that word had a lot of meaning. If you were him hawing, my mom used to say, "Don't you him haw around out there." And I knew death was close. If you didn't hem-haw, that was a horrible thing. And Elijah wasn't going to hem-haw around. He looked Jezebel. He looked that king, Ahab, squarely in the eye and said, No, king, I am not the one that is troubling Israel. It is not my doctrine. It's not my prayers. It's not my song. Surely the presence of the Lord. That's not the problem, my friend. The problem is not me. The problem is you. 
You that has destroyed Israel with your Baal worship, thou and thy father's house, he said. All that loving Baal and compromising that you and Jezebel are promoting, that is what is troubling Israel. Now, church, I want to tell you something. Standing for holiness is not troubling Israel. Standing for righteousness is not troubling Israel. It's compromise that is troubling to God. God does not want us to say it doesn't matter. Be loving, yes, of course. So, listen, Ahab, no fire you have no fire, you have no power. So he challenges Ahab and his fake notions of religion and says that God will prove himself at the altar. Has anybody ever felt the presence of God at the altar? He said, I'm going to show you at the altar that God is real and your lies will not work. When the fire fell, Bible, look at what, look at verse 39, okay? That's why I want you to stay close. So look at what happened in verse 39. Let me read a little. And when all the people saw it, that is when the fire fell and took the offering, the prophets of Baal couldn't call down fire from heaven. But when the people saw it they all did what they fell on their faces so church i want to say tonight it is time for the people of god to fall on their faces in revival it's time to believe that god is a god that loves it when we're on our knees that loves it when we worship him that loves it when we're on our face before god and they cried the lord he is God. And, of course, that word Lord there is Yahweh. It was just a, they begin to call his name, not Baal's name. I want to tell you, I feel a Holy Ghost revival come that's going to draw a line between Baal and Yahweh or Jehovah. Praise God. Let's clap our hands and thank God for it. Thank you, Jesus. So give me just a few more seconds. So it's powerful that Elijah's prayer stopped the rain. That was a very powerful thing. Now, we... Uh, we know that Elijah prayed to stop the rain, not because the Old Testament says so specifically, but because the New Testament says so. But it was even more powerful. He stopped the rain, held it back. But it was even more powerful when God decided to open the heavens. And that is what the church is all about. Now, I understand sometimes you have to hold the rain back. And that's a, I've already been there, talked about that. But the most powerful thing that Elijah did, and Elijah recognized it as powerful. I want to demonstrate just how powerful it was, and I want to close this out by showing you that when a people decide in their hearts, God is going to open the heavens. The God is going to do things that nobody would even believe was possible. He's going to open the heavens. Ahab couldn't open the heavens. Had he been able to, he would have caused it to rain. But he couldn't stop it. And they sent scouts out and tried to capture Elijah. What's he doing praying that it won't rain? How dare him come against me? How dare him not like my politics and all the rest of it? Folks, I want to tell you something. This is not about politics. And politics is not going to save you. What's going to save you is God opening the windows of heaven in your life. 
False religion can't open the heavens. They never have. That's why they argue you don't need open heavens. They turn from the Bible and turn to something else. But when you're looking for true answers, you need the heavens to be opened. Church, we are a people that are trusting God to open the windows of heaven and touch people that the devil says cannot be touched, but God says I will touch them. I feel a spirit of prophecy. I feel the spirit of Elijah coming on us that says our loved ones can be saved. Our neighbors can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to be healed. God is going to lift somebody from chains of sin, draw them to God. So Elijah went to Ahab. Now, uh, when, when the prophets of Baal were removed in the end of chapter 18, Elijah went to Ahab and said, Okay, you thought you were in charge, uh, king, because you're king. And, and he never was disrespectful. I'm sounding a little bit, you know, I'm kind of in a, uh, uh, energetic mode here tonight. So it may come across a little like I'm uh, not thinking about the way people feel about things. But, of course, we care about what people think about things. But Elijah wasn't worried about whether Ahab was going to like everything that he said. He went to Ahab and he said, you, you thought you were in charge, but your false ways have been revealed in the truth. So now he said it is time. We, God has now sufficiently demonstrated by the pouring of fire, which is completely unnatural, that fire would fall from heaven and take up an offering, even licked up all the water and all that went on. That's another whole story. But all that's happened, and God has demonstrated. So here's what he says, verse 41. Ahab, you need to get up. You're the king. And eat and drink and go to, to the mountain because something is about to happen. Sure, there is a time for fasting, church. There is a time for prayer. But when you have prayed and when you have fasted it is time to say it is time for the windows of heaven to be opened God will do what no man is able to do in fact he's doing it right now and this God is working God even beyond of course just under the sound of my voice but the spirit of God works and works on behalf of his people so we're fasting, we're going to be fasting, we're trusting God. Then we, we're not just fasting to prove to somebody we can do it. We're fasting because we're prying the windows of heaven open. Satan's trying to hold it back, but demons can't stop it, praise God. But once we've done that, Elijah said, now he said, there's a sound. I'm hearing something. I'm hearing a sound, and it is about to take place, he said. There's a sound. And it's the sound Elijah earnestly believed or believed earnestly for. Elijah uh, had prayed earnestly, the Bible says. That's, of course, that's James. Now we're in the New Testament. So we're told that Elijah's prayer was earnest, which the, that Greek word means fervent or earnest. We've talked about that many times. But he prayed very earnestly, very fervently. He didn't say, well, someone's watching. They, they're not going to understand. You need to be very careful because someone might think you're emotional. No, he said he prayed earnestly for what James said he prayed for again was that God would now open the windows of heaven and pour out the waters of heaven. And so no matter what, no matter that you uh, could at 
first only see it as the Bible says, a tiny, tiny cloud so far away. It took him seven times before he came back and said, wait, I, I do. I do think I see a cloud over there. What this is teaching us, church, is that we need to have faith in God. If God said it, it's going to happen. If you prayed it, God's going to hear that prayer. Does anybody believe God can hear prayer? God hears prayer. God is answering prayer. So he sent the servant, and he said, go go again. Go seven times and see. And he came back and after seven times, and he said, wait. I do. I see a cloud, which I love this. I'm, and uh, we'll preach this later. But he said, I see a cloud the size. Anybody remember this? Of a man's hand. He didn't say fist. Could have been a fist. I, <laughs> I, I just say he didn't say I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. He said, I see, there's a Hebrew word for fist. Uh, I see a cloud, it's the size of a man's hand. Now, my stepdad, I grew up under stepdad. Uh, my dad uh, was never around in those days. Later got the Holy Ghost and God delivered him. But my stepdad, uh, he had hands. Uh, uh, so that's just interesting to me. My stepdad, all of us Frenches are tall, and, and my stepdad was six. Uh, we're a sister French when I need her. Six uh, foot uh one or two, I can't remember exactly. We're all in there somewhere around the six-foot mark. Of course, he's a stepdad, and he's not my birth father. My mother married him. That was her, well, anyway. Uh, and so uh, he raised me, and I, I prayed him through to the Holy Ghost. I was there the night when he prayed through to the Holy Ghost, and he lifted his hands, and his hands were so big. And uh, I used to hate him until I got the Holy Ghost. And then God began to change me. And, and, and he started saying to me, when I saw God change you, that's when God started changing me. I knew you hated me with a hatred that was unbelievable. I would do things I don't even tell. I've never told. Even Sister French, I've never told her things I did to him. I don't even repeat it. I don't want it in any books. I don't want someone coming along and saying, we got that online. That's over here. That's on the Internet. I don't want it on the Internet. And, uh, and I did things to him that, that, that he doesn't even know I did to him. I hated him. And then I got the Holy Ghost, and, I mean, things started changing. One day I was walking home. Well, I'd just been to church. Wow! I'd been shouting. And the Lord said, you're a hypocrite. Because you hate your dad. And I said, well, yeah. I hate him. He beat my mother to a pulp. He pulled her hair out in wads. You think I could ever love that man? And he said, you will love that man. Or you're none of mine. So I went to him and I was weeping. And I said, Lee, I hate your guts. I hate your guts. Of course, I shouldn't say guts, but Sister French isn't here. So um, uh, I'm not supposed to say that. Write that down. Never say that. Uh, I'm not supposed to say that. But there's another term I could use, but I can never think of it. Um, so I hated him, and I said, Lee, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And, of course, he was so used to that, he just looked at me. And I said, but I can't hate you anymore. And I was just crying. He was, like, he was so amazed. 
I said, now I have to love you. I have to love you. I don't want to, but I have to love you. And uh, so I, I'm committing to you. I'm going to love you. See, it's hard to even mention it because years later, when he became like a dad to me, and he had cancer, and I said, Lee, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. He would always tell me he's raised Baptist. That meant don't bother me. Whenever he told me he was raised Baptist, that meant I, I can't handle that. So don't talk about it. And he said, uh, he, I said, Lee, you, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. He said, tell me, I want it. I've, I've been around it. I've seen your mother get the Holy Ghost. I've seen all your sisters get the Holy Ghost. And he said, I'm going to quit saying I was raised Baptist. He said, I'm ready to be a Pentecostal. And so when, when John was sick with leukemia and we went to that prayer meeting that night, <laughs> God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I mean, it was so powerful. I've never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost in such a powerful way. He didn't have long to live, but God changed his life and changed my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, the devil thinks that he can stop God from doing what he chooses to do. But I say tonight there is power in the love of God that reaches deep into people's hearts. Praise God. So Elijah said, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. And the servant said, there's not a drop of rain. There's not even, there's not even dew on the grass. But I hear it. Now, I, I teach Hebrew, so I know a little bit. So you can just take my word. You don't have to buy it just because I supposedly know Hebrew. But I'm going to tell you a little secret about the word abundance, okay? There's three or four Hebrew words for abundance that are common, common, common. Uh, but there's one word that is very uncommon. It's hemon in the, in the Hebrew. Hemon is only used a couple of times. And that's because it doesn't mean abundance like uh, uh, just meaning. So you've got to take my word for this. you just got to take my word on this. That uh, you could say there's an abundance of flu. And what do I mean by that? A lot of it. That, that's common when you talk about that. And you say there was an abundance of uh, something or other. Uh there's lots of Hebrew words for that. But it doesn't use that word. That's not the word. No, they're, they're not using that word. There is a very unusual Hebrew word that means it is so abundant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it and then come back around to its meaning. That you can sense that it's there. Because the word actually means, I hear the sound of the rumbling. It's the Hebrew word. You could actually translate it rumbling. I hear the abundant rumble of raindrops. Now, someone said, how could you possibly feel them? Now, I'm not going to venture too far here. But, folks, there comes a time when God said, I'm sending the rain. And you've just got to say, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I hear the sound of abundance of rain, the rumbling at my feet. Praise God. So 
It's the size of a man's hand, a little cloud. And, and Elijah said to the king, uh, you need to get up, O king. I hear the sound of abundance of rain, the rumbling of something, the vibrations, not only the sound, but something that I sense because of this abundance. I can tell that it's out there, as it were. Hallelujah. And, that, and so that is what faith and prayer produces. It produces a faith that you can almost sense. You Something tells you. Does anybody sense in your spirit that God wants to save souls? That God wants to fill people that are hungry with the Holy Ghost? You can sense the outpouring that's going to sweep your loved ones, your neighbors, your friends right into the kingdom of God. In fact, Elijah said, I hear it. I, I'm, I'm, be, I'm being very careful here. But he's in a sense saying, I sense it. Hey, moan. I, I sense it. I can tell that it's coming. Something in my heart tells me it's coming. I hear an Elijah. Abundance from the God who is able we don't take no for an answer from the devil. Listen, church, we need to quit letting the devil tell us no. The devil's a liar. We're not taking no from the devil. We're going to take, we're not going to take anything from the devil. He's a lying deceiver. I hear the sound of abundance. I hear the sound of revival. It's in the mist. I feel like the spirit is saying before that sound of the trumpet, before the rapture, and I think we're very close to the coming of Jesus. So listen, if you get word that all the Christians are gone, that was the rapture. God took the church out of here. But before the trumpet sounds, the church needs to believe for the rumblings of Pentecost and the sound of abundance of rain. It's time to put the prophets of Baal out of business with the real fires from heaven. I am trusting God. I feel the touch of angels' wings. And watch Ahab as he tries to outrun the rain. Now we're closing. This is it. Just a few more seconds. Well, I say seconds. Of course, I could mean anything. No, I do mean seconds. A few more seconds. Because uh, my point is, uh, the miracle's not over for Elijah. Because the rain starts coming. So he says, King, you've been a liar. You've been false. You've got a Jezebel wife. So you need to jump in your chariot and start going as fast as you can go and outrun this rain because I hear the sound of and the rumblings. And I know that uh, you might think, well, it couldn't possibly naturally get here in such a short time, but this is an abundance of rain, what later he would call a great rain. And then suddenly... Ahab jumps in his chariot and takes off and, and he's into Jezreel and going as fast as he can go. And a king's chariot was the fastest they made. Uh, I mean, it was an eight-cylinder. And the, he, I mean, it was boom, and away it went. So uh, things all around us, church, may be dry right now. Your circumstance, you may not, you may not see the raindrops but you need to hold on because God's power is able 
to outrace the devil himself. Hallelujah. <laughs> whatever your problem is, whatever your need is, I feel, I feel faith here tonight. Our God can send the great rain that changes everything. Now, the miracle's still not over. Elijah got so full of the Holy Ghost that the Bible says, now you read it for yourself. What's the very last verse? Is it 40? Is there, are there 46 verses? Whatever it is, 46. The very last verse. The last miracle of this section is reserved for that very last verse. So here's Ahab in the hottest model. I mean, it's the hottest thing going. And he's going to outrace God's reign. And the rain's just, boom. And that was a mighty miracle. The rain comes in super time, and the king is overwhelmed. And, and that's a like, hey, hey, king, look here what God did. That's what that was all about. But God wasn't done. The Bible says that he wanted the prophet to enjoy the benefit of that victory march. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I want to tell somebody tonight, I believe that I, this is the Holy Ghost speaking right now. There are things God wants to do for you right now that are not even necessary, but he wants to do it for you. He wants to do miracles for you that seem impossible. He's going to open doors for you that are impossible, but God's going to do it just because he's God. So the Bible says Elijah got the feeling the Holy Ghost of course, Holy Ghost is my term, but you know what I'm saying. Begin to feel God, the Holy Ghost moving so powerfully that he decided that there was another miracle in the making. Does anybody know what it was? The Bible says that Elijah got to running so fast as the rain was coming. I want to tell you, there's something about a coming rain that gets a hold of the church. It causes us to run faster than any demon. It gets us ahead of every problem. And Elijah, the Bible said, ran before the chariot, the fastest chariot in all the land, in all the world. And he outran Ahab. And I really like this. I like this. Ahab said, we'll kill him. He's nobody. And God said, let's just add a little extra, a little extra octane to this. Hey, Elijah, just pick your feet up. I'm getting ready to show you what a Holy Ghost race is. You're going to outrace Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Hallelujah. And God's getting ready to do this. In your families. It may seem like you couldn't do it. But God is going to give you supernatural speed and strength. Let's stand together all across the building. Come on. Let's praise him wherever you are. Let's praise him. Father, thank you right now. Lord, as long as you get the glory, we can run as fast as we need to. As long as you get the glory, everything that happens is to your powerful and wonderful name. And we thank you for it. Praise you for it. Musicians, come on. Let's sing one last chorus before we head out. I know you're going to check the, the radios and all that. But I want us to do this. I want us to pray that God will give us supernatural strength. Can we do that? Can we just march our way? Let's just march as close as we can get. We're going to sing this one. What chorus do we have? Who's going to sing? Anybody ready? Who's there? Let's sing one time. And uh, do you have a song about outrunning a chariot? Uh, do you have a song about <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, uh, but let's gather. We're going to dismiss right here. Whatever your need is, the devil says it'll never happen. The devil says, oh, well, it's just emotion. 
just somebody's uh, overzealousness. Just Elijah, no big deal. But I hear the sound. I hear the sound tonight. And I'm praying that God will help us to hear it. Anybody could lift your hands and say, I want to hear the sound of abundance. I want to hear the rumblings of revival. Oh, I want to hear the sound. Yes, I do. see if we can hear the sound of abundance here tonight. Can we just lift our hands and let's ask God to help us to hear the sound by faith. The doctors may say that, but I hear the sound. <laughs> I hear the sound, Lord. I know you can do it, Lord. I hear the sound of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Lives being changed, Bibles being opened, lives being transformed. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, let's bow our heads together. I know uh, I've held you, but let's, let's just pray. Let's just pray right now. Father, tonight, we love you more than life itself. You've healed our maladies. You've touched our lives. You've changed us into brand new people. You've been good to us, and I pray that we will be examples of your glory in a world that needs that glory more than anything else. Let us be loving and Christ-like, but Lord, don't let us ever forget we need to hear the abundance of rain as revival fills this church. Lord, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Bible study, Lord, let us be filled with the presence of God. Lord, we ask you to keep us, go with us tonight, and we give you praise for it. Everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Shake hands. Smile. And uh, greet one another. You're dismissed. Thank you. Thank you for being